Parshas Korach, Garden of Positive Thought. In Mishlei Perak Chavdalad, Pasuk Lamed, Shlomo HaMelech tells us a short story. Al Sedei Ish Atzel Avarti. I once passed by the field of a lazy man. Va'al Kerem Adam Chasar Leif. And he had a vineyard there too. This person and I could tell that this fellow was lacking in his mind. It says lave in the Pasuk. And in Lashem Kodesh, the word lave means mind. Now, how did I know that the owner was an atzel, lazy, and the chaser lave, lacking the right kind of mind, said Shlomo? Vihine ala kulo kimsoinim. Because behold, the entire field was overgrown with thistles. Kasupanov charulim. And brambles covered the entire surface. And not only were thorns and weeds growing in the field, but the Geder Avonov Neherasa, the wall of stone surrounding the field, had already began to crumble. Now, somebody else would have passed by and would have noticed that the owner is a negligent man and that's all. But Shlomo HaMelech knew that nothing happens in this world perchance. Nothing is random. And if such a sight came to his attention, it meant that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was trying to teach him something. It's Mira Shamaim that I took this route today, said Shlomo. HaKadosh Baruch Hu caused me to come across such a case in order that I should learn important lessons from it. And so, anoichi, I looked into it. Now, Echezeh is different from Ere'eh. Ere'eh means to see with your eyes what is superficial and apparent. But Echezeh is a deeper insight, like Chazon Yeshayahu. It's a nevuah. And so, ashit libi, I put my mind to this incident. Ra'iti lakarti musr. I saw and I took instruction from it. Now, the first lesson, that the owner of this field is a lazy fellow. That's simple. Because said Shlomo, ma'at sheinot, a little sleeping when you're supposed to be at work. Ma'at tunumot. A little bit of slumbering. It means you take off from work and take a nap now. And then, ma'at chibuk yadayim lishkav. Putting your arms together and lying down for a rest. Too much of that is a recipe for disaster. It's like the man who has a sign on his shop door. There's a picture on a clock and it says, We'll be back in 15 minutes. Now, anybody who means business shouldn't have such a sign. If you already have it, you should take it down and forget about it. Destroy it. Sometimes the shoe store or the mucker safarim, the Hebrew bookstore, has such a sign. But you don't want to buy books every moment of the day. And so just at the time when you have a few free minutes, let's say Ben Asadorim, you come there and you find that sign. We'll be back in 15 minutes. So in the meantime, you go back to the yeshiva and you sit down for a while. You come back 20 minutes later and the same sign is still waiting for you. We'll be back in 15 minutes. Now, nothing is wrong with taking a rest. But the man who is always seeking to evade his responsibilities, what is going to be the result of all of his excuses that he is tired and he'll do it later? Uba mitalech reshecha. Your poverty will come like a mishalech. Mishalach means a vagabond. You know, when you meet a vagabond on the road, it's not such a happy experience. You're afraid of him. He might do something to you. And so a man who doesn't attend to his business, he doesn't manage his affairs, 
you'll encounter unhappy surprises in life. You'll encounter poverty, Shlomo says, like you encounter a bum on the street. That's the first parish. The Pasuk is telling you that if you have a field or a shoe store, or even if you're a Rebbe in the yeshiva, whatever it is that you're doing, you have to be a hustler. But there's another explanation. Not that the first Peshat is wrong, but we're going now to talk about the other lesson, the more important lesson that Shlomo HaMelech learned when he saw that field. Shlomo said as follows, every person in this world is endowed with another field. You have up here in your mind an estate given to you by Hashem for a purpose, and the purpose is to cultivate it, to cultivate it with good ideals and good attitudes. Now you have to know something right away. If you'll just wait, if you'll just let your mind remain, don't think it will lay dormant. An empty field waiting for you to begin planting? Oh no! It will produce the things that grow naturally. And naturally means you'll have thorns and weeds. Even on a city street, if you leave things alone, if traffic would stop for 10 years, the whole street would begin to change. The weeds and the grass would begin to sprout and trees would drop seeds into the cracks and new trees would begin to grow. It would lift up the sidewalk. In 50 years, the city would be a jungle. Now I understand that today the jungle is admired. The environmentalists love the forests, but you have to know that forests are good for snakes and bears, for chimpanzees. But despite all the propaganda, human beings must have cultivated land. And so when Shlomo passed that overgrown field, he reminded himself about this great function that we have in this world. Raisi, I saw, lakachti musr, and I took instruction from that. Shlomo was thinking, a man with an uncultivated field like this, so you can be sure that just like his fields are neglected because of his laziness, his mind surely is neglected. After all, it's easier to plow a field of earth than to field up here in your mind. And so, if his field is full of thorns and brambles, so this lazy man's mind must be a wilderness too. That's why... He called him an Adam Chaser Leif, a man lacking in mind. Now, when a man fails to grow fruit and vegetables in his garden, or he doesn't plant wheat in his fields, no question it's a big pity. After all, it's a shame to waste good real estate like that. He might even become poor because of his negligence. But you must know that if a man is poor in his mind, that's the worst of all tragedies. To not have Parnassa, that's terrible. It's a big sin to be lazy and not to fulfill your obligations in the kusuba. But after all, there's always welfare. Maybe you have a rich uncle who will bail you out. Something you'll find. But if you have a poor mind, nobody is going to save you. Now when we talk about planting good things in our mind, about uprooting weeds and planting beautiful saplings, you have to know that there are very many different kinds of orchards a person can have up here in his mind. When you have such real estate, you don't grow grapes and you're finished. You have to plant cherries too and apples and pears. The mind of a Jew has many compartments, many orchards, and each one has to be tended to with the utmost care. There's one orchard of Avas Hashem and another of Yiras Hashem. There's an orchard of Shas and an orchard of Chumash. There's Bechina. That means to see Hashem in the world around you. And there's Emuna, 
you have to tend to your orchard of bitachan and to a separate orchard of chesed. There's very much cultivating to do. That's why you'll have to listen to these tapes for many years. Not only me. You can go to better places too. But wherever you go, there's a lot of planting to do. But one of the most important and overlooked orchards that a Jew must plant in his mind is the function of how to look favorably at your fellow Jews. It's a mitzvah of the Torah. It means that it's your Torah duty to form righteous opinions about your fellow from Jews. Shvus. Now don't think it's something you can ignore. Whether you like it or not, your mind is always forming opinions of others. It can't be helped. You're always making judgments. A cow, the havdil, is able to go through life without thinking, without judging. But if you're an Adam, then you're a judge. As soon as you see somebody, you are already forming your opinions. And so you have to get busy tending your orchard of betzedek tishpot amisecha. Because if you don't labor in cultivating the orchard of Dan Lekav Zechus, only weeds will grow there. All types of weeds. Jealousy, anger, frustration, haughtiness, and other things too. And once your mind is filled with weeds, Uva Mishalech, a vagabond, might come along and grab you unexpectedly. You'd be surprised. The wrong seeds that grow wild in your mind might someday confront you with a Nisayan. Suddenly a test will come up and you're vulnerable. Who knows what can happen, chas v'shalom, because you're not prepared. Sometimes a person is ruined entirely in his ruchnius. His entire life is ruined because of the poisonous seeds that slowly grew in his head. I know a story. There was a bacher in our yeshiva who came from a very good home, very from people. His father was a rebbe who had a shtibel. He was a good bacher in learning. He had a beautiful orchard of exquisite Paris when it came to learning Gemara. But he didn't have an interest in cultivating the other orchards. When it came to studying Yiras Shamayim, every day, a half hour in yeshiva, he never bothered. It wasn't his interest. Well, when I left the yeshiva, he also left and I lost track of him. Years later, I hear he's out west someplace. Out west? He threw away his Yiddishkeit. I, such a home. I left him bacher from a Hasidish house. Now, he's a psychologist. And he is divested. He is Ois Gittin. I was shocked. I knew him in the yeshiva. He was a good bacher. What happened? He never cultivated the garden of his mind. He wore a nice black velour hat. But you can't rely on that. What matters most is what's under the hat. Unless you put something here in your garden and you cultivate it all the time, you won't be ready for Yom Tzara, the day of tests. And who knows what could happen? In Mishlei, we read another Pasuk connected with this subject. The Pasuk is talking about the subject of thoughts and it states, Halo yit'u Won't they go lost? Those who plow wrong thoughts into the field of their mind? When people start thinking bad about others, when they like to see faults in other people, their thoughts are like seeds which grow into bigger thoughts until eventually they'll go lost entirely. Let's say there's somebody who sits in the base of an SS and talks and talks lush and horror on everybody. This person is this and that person is that. His head is full of suspicion about others. Everyone is wrong but him. 
he sits at home and talks with his wife, Lush and Hara, on everybody. Visitors come, and when they leave, they talk Lush and Hara on the visitors. He's always looking for faults. So Hashem says, that's what you're looking for? You're looking to inject poison into your mind? Habal I'll let you succeed. You'll succeed, and your mind will become poisoned by the very worst kind of Roish Vila'ana. You'll become better and better at finding faults in other people. The more a person looks for what's wrong in others, the more people will become worse and worse in his eyes until Yisu, until he goes lost altogether. It happened many times in our history to very great men. We'll take one example from this week's Parsha. Everybody remembers what happened to Korach, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed him, and he went lost forever. It's a tragic story, and we'll take the time to study it in some detail, because that's the reason the Torah took the trouble to write about it at length. It's expected to be a model for us in our daily lives, so that we should see now how dangerous it is to have a mind that is not cultivated with the utmost care. Now, don't misunderstand me. Korach was a great man. First of all, nobody who wasn't good was able to leave Mitzrayim. Remember in the Haggadah of Pesach, we say to the Rosha, Ilu Ayasham, lo nigal. Had he been there, he wouldn't have been redeemed. It's a principle that those who weren't worthy did not leave Mitzrayim. And so if Korach left Mitzrayim, you can be sure he deserved to leave. Korach went through what everybody else experienced. He passed through the Yamsuf with everyone else. And as he walked, he sang, Az Yashir. I imagine he must have had a beautiful voice and that he sang as loud as anyone else. But not only was Korach worthy of leaving Mitzrayim and experiencing all the nisim of the Midbar, but he stood at Har Sinai with the whole Klal Yisrael and accepted the Torah. Sham Yisrael neged ahar. And the nation encamped in front of Har Sinai. Shemos. It doesn't say Vayachanu and they encamped. It says Vayichan. Lashon Yachid, and he encamped, which means the whole nation spoke up. It means that Korach and his congregation also stood at the foot of Artinai, and together with everyone else, they shouted, with the greatest enthusiasm. So you can be certain that Korach was a good from Jew. And so it's a big question what happened? How could such a great personality fall so far? The answer is that he allowed brambles to grow into his mind. It was a result of being a choyresh ra. Korach was plowing wickedness. He began to think wrong about others. He planted seeds in his mind of being dan the kafchov. And those little seeds grew into big trees. Trees of poisonous fruit. You remember that glorious day of the Hakamas Hamishkan? When the sanctuary was finally erected in this world and the Am Yisrael would now claim the exclusive glory of having Hashem reside among them, there were very few days, we could even say no days ever in the history of the world when there was so much rejoicing. The whole nation was celebrating. Vayera kivod Hashem el kol And the glory of Hashem appeared to all the people. Vatetzei eish milifnei Hashem. Vayar kolaam, vayaronu. And the fire came forth from before Hashem, and all the people saw, and they shouted in joy. Vayikra. 
Imagine such a thing. A whole nation, millions of men, women, and children shouting in the great ecstasy at the sight of the Shekhinah. And then, suddenly a tragedy took place. A fire went forth from Hashem and it consumed Nadav and Avihu, the two sons of Aaron, who had entered the sanctuary to officiate as the newly appointed Kohanim. And they perished there before Hashem. Now the whole nation, when they saw that tragedy, they were overwhelmed with shock and sadness. On the happiest day, such an event should occur. It was unimaginable. And Korach was there too, along with everyone else. He was standing there, watching, and he was troubled too. How could such a thing happen, that the two sons of Aaron should die in the Mishkan by the hand of Hashem? Such nice young men. Sadikim should fall dead in the middle of such a great celebration. Now Korach understood that Hashem doesn't do things for no reason, particularly a tragedy as great as this. And so we understand that he began to suspect Moshe Rabbeinu. Korach was thinking, maybe it's because they shouldn't have been there in the first place. It's what I thought all along. It's true, they were great men, but were they the only ones worthy of being chosen? Was it... Yashus, that Moshe should appoint his brother and his brother's sons as the Kohanim. Why should they be chosen instead of me and my sons? I'm also a Levi after all. Now Korach wouldn't have said that if he had been a nobody or an ordinary Levi. The truth is that Korach was one of the best of the Levium. He was a Lamdan and a Tzaddik. And he had very good sons too, just like Aaron. Lamnatzeach ibne Korach Mizmur. The children of Korach have beautiful tefillahs in the Sefer Tehillim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put his spirit into them and they sang beautiful songs to Hashem. They were glorious prototypes of the Levim who sang Shirei Kodesh to Hashem. You see later in Bamidbar that Uvnei Korach Lometu. They didn't die in what happened to Korach because they were Tzadikim Gemurim. And their father was certainly somebody. A man is not zoiche to such children unless he himself has worked in his lifetime to acquire certain great attributes of character. So if I have such good sons, Korach had thought all along, why weren't we chosen? And so already, at the time that Aaron's children were appointed, a seed of suspicion began to grow in his mind. Seeds of Dan Lekachov was planted in Korach's head, in his mind. And he began to suspect that maybe Aaron didn't have the right to be a Kohen. And now, when he witnessed what happened at Chanukah's Hamishkan, all of those brambles of suspicion that had taken root in his mind began to release their poisonous fruit. Now you see that I was right. HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed his displeasure. They weren't really fit for it. It was Moshe Rabbeinu who gave the kahuna to his brother's family, not Hashem. Now Korach knew, just like we do, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had said to Moshe, take your brother Aaron and Hakrev, bring him near. Korach also knew that it was the word of Hashem. But he began to reason like this. This, I'm repeating what I heard from my Rebbe Zichron of the Korach was thinking, Moshe Rabbeinu did so many good things for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He served him so loyally. He organized the Bnei Yisrael. He took them out of Mitzrayim. He brought them together to Matan Torah. He lived completely for Hashem. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt a certain indebtedness, a HaKadosh Atov, to Moshe Rabbeinu. 
And so, when Moshe Rabbeinu put in a good word for his brother, can you make my brother, Aaron, the Kohen Gadol, and his sons should be the Kohanim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't refuse. Ritzon Yireav Yase. Hashem does the will of those who fear him. Tehillim. Like we say, Tzadik Goizid, V'HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mikayim. When a tzaddik wills something, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu fulfills his will. That's a principle. That independent of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu would have done anyhow. One of his considerations is to fulfill the will of the tzaddikim. He'll change the course of history in order to demonstrate his favor for his chosen ones. So that the world should see that he favors them. That's what Korach reasoned. It's only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu yielded to Moshe's will. But who said that it was the best for Am Yisrael? Why didn't he put in a good word for me? Am I worse than his brother? Could be that I'm even better for the job than his brother Aaron. If Moshe Rabbeinu would have been perfect without any flaws in character, without any desire at all to domineer the people, if he would have been completely humble, then he wouldn't have desired such a situation. And therefore, because of him, we suffered this great tragedy on what was supposed to be the happiest day in our history. That's what Korach thought. Now the truth is, of course, that wasn't so. Moshe Rabbeinu said, What do you want of me? I didn't say anything to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Lachen You Korach, V'chol Adatecha, and all of your congregation, Hano Odim, that are gathered together, Al Hashem. You're gathered against Hashem, not against me. Ve'aron Mahu, Kitalinu Alav. What is Aaron that you should complain against him? Aaron Mahu. Aaron is nothing. Aaron doesn't have any desires. He didn't want anything in the world. He didn't even have the slightest inkling of being chosen. Mahu. Ma means nothing at all. Nachnu ma. Moshe Rabbeinu said. Who are we? We're nothing. Aaron and I are nothing at all. It's only Hashem. It's like in the Kelmer Talmud Torah. People were sitting there listening. And the old Rosh Yeshiva who was saying the Shmuz sat in the back seat. He spoke in the back seat so that you didn't see anybody. All you heard was the voice. He effaced himself entirely. He didn't exist. A man is sitting in the back seat and he's talking. Everybody is sitting and looking to the front and listening. That's how our leaders used to be. Now it's true that Moshe had tremendous power. But he had the ability to submerge his personality so entirely that nothing of his own desire stood in the way. That's how great leaders are. They can nullify their personality. They erase all their desires in order that there shouldn't be any mechitzas that intervene between Hashem and the people. But Korach wouldn't listen to that. It was hard for him to believe such a thing because he had already plowed the seeds of evil for so long. Korach wasn't a brute, a ruffian, who could be misled so easily by partisan rivalry. He was a great man. We have the statements of the Gemara to certify the importance of Korach. But that's what happens in the mind that isn't cultivated with the utmost care. Korach had already plowed and sowed and tended to these shoots of Dan Lekav Chov, and now they sprouted forth poisonous fruit. What do you mean you're nothing? Do you mean to say that you can erase from yourselves all the tendencies that human beings have? 
Don't you have at least a little bit of love for yourself? It's just because of you. You twisted it so that Hashem should choose your brother. You were able to finagle it out of Hashem, so to speak. And it was those seeds in Korach's mind that eventually led to his downfall. Because Korach opened his big mouth, the earth opened its big mouth and swallowed him into Gehenim forever. He was a good man, Korach, a very good man. But hello, yitu, chorshera. Won't they go lost, those who plow wrong thoughts into the field of the mind? As good as you are, if you're too lazy to cultivate the orchard of good thoughts about other people, then those seeds produce weeds and brambles, and something bad is sure to happen. Now it's important to understand that this incident wasn't put in the Torah just to fill up space, to tell us a story of something that happened in the wilderness. The Torah took the trouble to describe the story of Korach at length, Laot Livnei Meri, as a sign for people who like to make trouble. It says it openly, You shouldn't be like Korach and his congregation. Some poiskim even say, it's a Torah law. You shouldn't follow in the ways of Korach. It doesn't only mean that you shouldn't make machlaikas. It means that you should be careful not to plant the same seeds that Korach planted in his mind. The seeds of being dan lakavchov that lead to machlaikas. Now it doesn't mean that if you're dan lakavchov, you should expect that today or tomorrow the earth will open up its mouth and swallow you. That's not how Hashem works in this world. But Korach is a marshal for where you're headed. Halo yitu chorshera. Surely they will go lost. Those who plow seeds of evil thoughts in their minds. Of course, Korach got it over the head right away because he started up with the wrong person. He chose the very worst man to start up with. Had he been suspicious, let's say, of some ordinary Jew in the wilderness, it wouldn't be a mitzvah. But he wouldn't have ended up in the ground right away. Korach started up with Moshe Rabbeinu. However, that's like touching an electric wire of a hundred thousand volts. But you can be sure that it's still a very great peril to suspect any Jew, every from Jew, even if he's not Moshe Rabbeinu, is beloved by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Which Jew? The most foolish fellow. The fellow with all faults. He's ugly. He's rude. He's mean. He doesn't smile at you. He blocks your driveway. He won't give you a raise. Still, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves him with an intense and fiery love. And therefore, maybe he's not Moshe Rabbeinu. So he's not a 100,000 volt live wire. But it's still a very dangerous proposition to be suspicious of any from Jew. I'm not talking now about the Rishoyim. I'm not talking about being Melamed Zuchus on wicked people. That I'll leave to somebody else bigger than I am. The Frum Jews, the Shomer Mitzvahs, those are the ones Hashem loves. And therefore, one of your big jobs in this world is to be an Ohev Sedek, to want to find the good in your fellow Jew and to always judge him favorably. And that means we have to get busy because it's impossible to do this if you don't work at it. It won't happen if you're a lazy man. Al Sedei Ish Atzel Avarti. I passed by a lazy man's garden, said Shlomo. He didn't pull out the weeds as soon as he saw them growing. And so what grew in his mind? Kasuponov charulim. Brambles are growing and all manner of poisonous roots. 
It means that unless you are always busy weeding out, then poison is growing. And so, as soon as the thought comes into your mind that you don't like that person, so you must do something about it. You can't be an ish atzel. Instead of letting that seed sprout, right away you have to try to uproot it. And therefore, whenever you have some grudge against somebody, if you wish to emulate Hashem, you must try to be like a lawyer and find every kind of excuse to justify him. Even if you know that he did something wrong, you could say as follows. It could be he didn't realize it was wrong. You can say he didn't know how serious it was. Maybe he's ignorant. Maybe he doesn't know how great the sin is. If he did something to bother you, so you have to get busy weeding. Maybe his boss yelled at him today. Could be he's worried about Parnassa, about his children. You overlook whatever it is and you wipe it from your mind. Instead of being lazy and letting it grow poisonous, you exert your imagination to transform what seems to be an act of irresponsibility, an act of sin, and you interpret it in the very best way. That's an extremely important function among Jews. We have to be misgaber on this Yetzir Hara of trying to find faults in our neighbors and in our mechutonim, in our daughters-in-law and our sons-in-law. And everyone else we come in contact with, you can't think of any excuse. Maybe you don't know how to think. Among the requirements of being Dan Lekav Zuchus is, Al Tadin et Chaverecha, Ad Shetagia Limkomo. Don't judge the fellow man until you're in his shoes. If a child makes a mistake and breaks something, don't get excited too much. Because if you were a child, you would also break things. So let's say your wife likes to talk. So you say, why does she talk so much? It gets on my nerves. So wait until you're a woman. Then you'll judge her. Every person should be judged according to his condition. And you'll never understand his condition. Now besides for pulling out the weeds, a person has to get busy planting flowers, planting fruit saplings, and all good things. Instead of being chor people who are plowing bad thoughts, the Pasuk continues. Those who think good thoughts will be rewarded with even more good thoughts. Those who want to walk in the ways of Hashem, Hashem is always thinking good about us, and make an attempt to think the right thoughts about fellow Jews. They'll succeed. And it will become easier and easier. We're not talking about ma'asim now. We're talking about correcting the mental attitudes to learn how to think good thoughts about your fellow man. It's a big job. And I'm far away from that myself. I'm saying this not for you. I'm listening to it myself as I'm saying it. But let's listen. And maybe a little bit of it will stick to us. I had a Rebbe once, a great Rebbe. And he once told us that a person is not one thing. He's a bundle of things. I remember it like yesterday. I heard him say that 60 years ago. A person is not one Mida. He said this. He's a bundle of Midas. So one thing might not be good. But something else is good in him. And therefore, if we'll look, we will find. But if we're busy looking only for what's wrong, we'll find that too. And we will be failures. Here's a man who's roidev acher covered. He loves covered. He's a Balgaiva. He thinks much of himself. You want to judge him? Weed out those thoughts and look for good things. 
He has good things. I guarantee it. Today I hear that husbands and wives are fighting all the time today. And in some parts of town, people are going crazy. In certain modern neighborhoods, it's divorces and divorces and more divorces. A tragedy. What's going on here? The world is going crazy. So a man said to me, well, after all, there's a dean of get in the Torah, isn't there? Mishugana. There's also Misa in the Torah and funerals in the Torah. Misa is a tragedy and Gitin are a tragedy. Now, when you speak to couples, I spoke to a couple of women today. They called me up to tell me their husbands are no good at all. It's his fault. There's no other way out. What's the trouble, I asked. He's so mean to me, she says. He's inhuman. Now, if I ask him, I'm sure he'll give me a report about his wife. She doesn't do her work. She looks for trouble. She's criticizing me, nagging, this and that. Everybody thinks that they're right. And they're all wrong because they are all sinning against this great quality which Hashem said that you should try to gain. To judge your fellow man, to give him the benefit of the doubt. You're going to say, you can't find good in your wife. You can't find good in your husband. Come on now. Come on. That's nothing but wickedness. It's not true at all. A wife does many things for her husband, and he should think about that and appreciate her to no end. And even if your wife said something that seems wrong to you, so what? You can say it's because she doesn't feel well today. Maybe she didn't sleep well or some other trouble she has that's bothering her. That's why she's letting it out on you. But she doesn't really mean any harm. So be melamed, zuchus, and your husband too. When a husband comes home from work and says something nasty, the wife should say to herself, he worked very hard today. There was competition. Maybe the Gentile supervisor was persecuting him. My husband didn't mean any harm. And then after she pulls out the weeds, she begins to plant. Look, my husband is an Ish Neman. She reminds herself that he goes to work every day. Now he'd like to sit home. He'd like to go to Beit HaMedrash and learn. He feels like he's wasting his life in the shop where he's working, but he's doing it out of loyalty to his family. There are so many loafers today in the world, unfortunately. Some people go to Atlantic City and loaf. Some people go to the Stieblich and loaf. They sit in Stieblich and they don't learn a word. And your husband is a decent man. He's working, supporting his family, giving away his life. His life. Every week he comes home and he gives her money. She thinks about that and appreciates her husband. That's how married people must live. They should always try to give each other the benefit of the doubt and always attempt to explain that the other party means well. So we come back now to one of the great lessons that we learned from Korach. That great tragedy was the result of this error of Korach being Dan Moshe Rabbeinu Lekavchova to the side of guilt. Instead of giving him the benefit of the doubt, Korach let that seed of suspicion and distrust grow wild. And you know what happened at the end? It was a tragedy of tragedies. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up Korach. It was a stunning blow for the whole Am Yisrael. Korach, if that can happen to such a man, it can happen to us too. And the entire nation got busy learning the great lesson that one of our functions in life now is to take this garden of our mind and to develop it to the best of our ability by planting seeds of being dan es chavero lekavzichus 
of trying our utmost to judge your fellow man with a meritorious balance and to think well of him always. Because that's the purpose why you came to this world, in order to plant an orchard of delectable paris and a garden of beautiful flowers in your mind. And we should never forget what Chazal tells us in Gemara Shabbos. How great this investment of planting pays off. Hadan es chavero lekav zuchus. If you make the effort to judge somebody in a positive light, you overcome the natural laziness of the mind and you look for the good. Hamakom yidinehu lekav zuchus. Then mida keneged mida. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will always judge you favorably too. And when he does that, you can be certain he does it with a full hand, a heaping hand of reward in this world and also in the world to come. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Planting the right seeds in the garden of positive thought. This week I will spend one minute every day thinking only positive thoughts about someone that I am close to. I will try to think about several specific positive attributes in order to view that person in a favorable way. If I'm married, I will choose my spouse. Otherwise, I will choose a parent or a Rebbe. I will devote this minute to think only positive thoughts about this person and push away any negative thoughts.